Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. Hi and welcome to today's show. And this one's a little bit different. We've got our regular inspirational story for you today, but this time we've got a guest who's actually going to give you some tips around branding your business as well. So welcome, Andrew Hope of Hope Creative. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Tracy. Good, good to see you and thank you for having me on the, uh, the podcast. You're welcome. Now, Andrew's been in design and creative work all his life, but we've only met in the last few weeks through a business network and I was having a conversation with him about three or four days ago and realised that he'd got an awful lot of good stuff to share with you. So we'll get started as we always do with learning a little bit more about, you know, how did Andrew get to the point of going into business himself? So Andrew, what what was life like between school and deciding to set up your business? Yes, I mean from an early age, uh, we've we've got sort of a, a creative flow in the family, if you like. Uh, my mom, my mom's an artist, so I've got kind of a natural ability to draw. So when I was at um, school, the the art lessons obviously were were the ones that I really enjoyed, and uh, got to the stage um, with, with the art side, the stuff at school where. I was actually at the, the age of 15, I think it was. Um, I had my first exhibition in Manchester. Wow. And that was you know, great thanks to my art teacher, actually, you know, for actually sort of helping me you know, sort of achieve that. Uh, and then moved on from, from school. I knew I needed, well, felt that I really needed and wanted to do, you know, carry on the creative side of stuff. So I got my... Uh, uh, o levels at the time. <laughs> that's sure. That's showing your age now. I remember O levels as well. The American so, listeners and the European listeners would be like, "What are O levels? Just the English school system from years and years ago." Uh, absolutely, yeah. So I, I got the O levels I needed to get into art college at the time, uh, and at that time it was very prestigious actually to get into an art college especially the one that I, I applied for in Stourbridge in, in the West Midlands so I went for the art college uh, courses um, decided halfway through whether to do graphic design or pure art but I find what we found with pure art which, which I love I love to draw uh, pencil sketch pastel crayons pen and ink what I found with the, the pure art side of stuff was that it is quite hard to get a job afterwards. Um, a lot of, well, I mean, a lot of uh, famous artists, uh, they only become very rich after they're, they're deaf, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, when they sell their paintings. So I went for the graphic design route um, halfway through the art college course. Wow. I remember one of my um, lecturers, because I actually ended up in art college as well many, many years ago, although I only just got in on my drawings because I, I didn't get very many O-levels. Oops. Um, but it was quite funny because I was going for graphic design and you had these two sectors in art art school, you know, the pure art people, the graphic designers. And the professors of the pure art used to call graphic designers the prostitutes of the art world because they only ever did things that people were paying them for. Isn't that business? <laughs> I always found that one really funny. So. Yeah, uh, wow. <laughs> was it similar in Stourbridge? Did, was there a little bit of a divide between the graphic guys and the pure art guys? 
I did actually, I did actually, when you say that, Tracy, I did actually feel that myself at the time. But I also found at art college that a lot of the, the tutors there, I mean, some of them are great, but a lot of them had their own businesses as well. So the tutoring was sort of part of their, you know, sort of job, I guess. And um, it, it was quite ego-centric driven, you know, which kind of put people off a little bit. But, uh, you know, when you stay out, out, out of the art college, it got me got me my first uh, placement, really, you know, my first job in, into the industry. Um, but before that, I must must say that at the time, uh, you probably remember this as well, Maggie Thatcher was in, in power. Uh, I think she might have come into power. Was she? Yeah, she would have been in power while I was in school, yeah. Yeah, so... But one of one of the good things that they did at the time, uh, the government was the the youth training schemes. So straight out of our college, obviously not much experience. I managed to get onto youth training scheme, and that got me into sort of work placements in sort of a small design studios, and that's where it all kicked off really. So did you you went on one of these youth training schemes? Then did you? Yeah, so I mean it was a fantastic scheme. It was actually a scheme that was. Um, purposely for sort of designers, you know, graphic design. So basically, we we were a community. We we produced a community magazine. So the community was at the time in the in the, in the Black Country, uh, where part part of my growing up was uh, over sort of Dudley Briley Hillway. Uh, and the the YTS scheme was an actual producing a community magazine, a group of us. So we actually did the sort of PR story writing side of it as well. So we went out there, you know, got got the stories, came back onto the drawing boards, um, typed up all the, the articles, copy and paste them onto, onto drawing boards to get the artwork ready. And, uh, you know, sort of applied sort of drawing, illustration, photography to, to, to whatever, you know, was needed for each article. Uh, and then it was off to, to the, uh, the printing press uh, to get the uh, local, magazine, local magazine printed. Yeah, it's quite the number of times you've actually given away your age is surprising. <laughs> so you youngsters out there thinking, what on earth is a printing press? This is an archaic way. We never, I mean, and Andrew would have been at the same. When I went through my course at college, we were literally hand drawing things to then effectively replicate them on what was known as a reproduction machine. And it was all manual, no computers. So they had to go to a physical printing press to be printed. Oh, those were the days, Andrew. I'll tell you something. It was, I'm so glad that I went through all that because, I mean, it is easy nowadays. Obviously, we've got computers. But, you know, having that grounding to start with, you know, sort of really got, got you ready for, for, for the job. I mean, at a dark college, it was all drawing boards, like you say, pen and, you know, pen and ink, drawing up on the artwork boards, laying out the, the copy, the text from... A typesetter that was uh, uh, produced from a film in, in a dark room. So you know, we go spray mount and cow gum to uh, to, put, to put that onto the board to make the artwork. Yeah, and so, these yeah. days you just press a button. <laughs> it's all magic <laughs> these days. Oh dear, I love it when we get when we get into the old days situation. There was one thing I'm going to go back to, which is nothing to do with business, but. Um, for listeners that are not in the UK, um, we refer to a part of Birmingham as the Black Country. What's the reason behind it being called the Black Country, Andrew? It was all, all to do with the um, uh, the revolution of industry uh, back at, back at that time when it when it all sort of happened, uh, and the Black Country was known called the Black Country because purely because of all the little towns that make up the Black Country. 
which is part of the West Midlands. You've got sort of the Black Country, Birmingham sort of divide, sort of the borders. Yeah. So it was all, all the little towns that made all the, all the different products from nails to sort of horse saddles, you name it, you know, all sort of the metal industry. So each town had its own specialised industry. And obviously there was a lot of, uh, a lot of smoke and, and, and all the things that, that come with uh, chimneys. And yep. so kind of where the, sort of the, the, that name originates in. Yeah, cool. I just thought it'd be a nice little aside for our listeners that ain't got a clue what the black country is. So you did the youth training scheme. And I know because we were chatting the other day, you went into, let's say, um, a normal, if there is such a thing, career working for corporates, didn't you? Yeah. So over the years, as I said, I've been doing this like 35 years now, even more than that. So so over the years from the YTS, sort of got into sort of little design studios, you know, where I sort of learned, learned the trade. And then into, as, as, as the career pro- progressed, you start off with a graphic, graphic artist, really, then you work your way up to sort of mid and then senior graphic designer. Um, and yeah, and then sort of started to work with a couple of big corporate companies uh, over the years, which was kind of an in-house environment. So the job there, there was a team of us in the studio for these these, these, these companies we work for, uh, and we were actually in charge of you know sort of uh, providing all the graphic design and sort of branding work for um, for, for, for the whole business really, you know, because they're corporate. You know, there was a lot of marketing, yeah, departments all over Europe that we uh, we helped out with. Was that is that still a good way? You know, if somebody out there is is sort of younger than we are, so to speak, is working for a corporate still a good way to actually build up experience before you go and set your own design company up? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's definitely helped me. Uh, I think if you can mix it up a little bit, because there are you know design studios, purely creative studios out there that you know you can learn a lot from you know working a lot on sort of big big blue chip client projects um, but then if you mix it up with getting into sort of an in-house environment if you can get both sides of experience it, it really 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 does help you I mean with the in-house side of stuff it's kind of more of a corporate setup so the work isn't probably as free-flowing you know as, as a, a pure creative agency if you like yeah you know, sort of commercial setup um, but it does, it kind of disciplines you really, you know, corporate setups, especially on the branding side of things, you know, where you have to sort of follow brand guidelines and bits and pieces like that. Yeah, and I think that works for several other businesses as well. You know, there's several industries like accounting, all that stuff, where being part of a corporate or being part of an accounting company, is, I love that word you use, that it gave you discipline, because it is easy when you run your own business to drop the discipline a little bit. Well, it is for me. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, all, all the challenges you get, you know, doing your own thing, it's uh, some days you just uh, don't feel like turning up. But <laughs> yeah. You, you know that, you know, you're, when you're running your own business, it's your des- destiny at the end of the day. So, yeah. It's up to you what, what you put in, you get out. Sort of. Yeah. And I think that's a good point for people that haven't yet started their own business, but are thinking of it, you know, many of us, many of the business people I speak to is when you get started, because it is your destiny, your future, your paycheck, everything is in your hands. You often find that when you leave, say, a career or a, a, a day job to work full time in your own business, you often work more hours for yourself than you would for that company you work for and I always think part of the reason is is you know that if you don't do the work 
the money's not coming in. There's no paycheck at the end of the month if you're not putting in the effort. So bit of a little caution there for all of you. It isn't a breeze going into your own business. It's hard work to begin with for many of us. So what made you after several years working in creative agencies and and being in-house, what was going on for you that was nudging you towards, you know, being your own boss? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the last two jobs I had. Uh, the first one was with a, an international uh, pneumatics company where we were the in-house creative team. Uh, I, I mean, I was there for nine years and I loved it. You know, we, we pre-managed in Spain and, you know, got, got trips away and stuff. But uh, what I found, what, what I got made redundant from that job after nine years, which, you know, which was a bit of a kick in the teeth to, to be, at the time, to be honest, you know, it did, uh, it did feel, make me feel quite, quite depressed. We just had a young, young, our young daughter, just, well, just daughter being born, you know, and it was not the right time to be made redundant, to be honest. So, uh, I mean, I, I did get another job after that. Um, total different uh, sector, uh, sort of uh, social housing. So that was a river company called a Bromford Housing Group. Um, and, and this kind of changed things a little bit because I, I, I went in there to actually help with the, the rebrand of the company. So this is kind of kicked off the passion for branding, if you like. And I went through, you know, all sort of the branding processes with them and also setting up an in-house team. So, uh, but again, um, after three, three, three years, I got made redundant from there. So I think the two redundancies, you know, within that short, short period of time sort of made me think, well, you know, I've been doing this a long time now and I've got all this experience. So uh, let's, let's go for it, you know, and set up a, Set up Hope Creative in two thousand and nine. Wow! So it's been going a fair few years then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he set it up in a recession as well. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at the back end of two thousand eight, two thousand nine recession that was going. On. Yeah, but if you look, I mean, if you look back to twenty twenty when we had the pandemic, um, there was in the UK there was more new businesses created then than in most of the years previous. So it, it seems to be a bit, bit, bit of a pattern. You know, recession happening, go set your own business up. Uh, and as we know, not every business lasts more than three years. But yeah, it seems to be a pattern in recessions that new businesses will pop up. What were your thoughts? And, you know, if you were looking back to 2009, you, you've been made redundant again. What were the things that were most concerning you about starting your own business? Yeah, I, th- I think it was probably the financial side and also, you know, the sort of extra responsibilities that were happening in sort of personal life. You know, we just, just had our daughter and and, and also, um, well, actually, we had, we, we, she, she was getting on a little bit, obviously, uh, the daughter. But, the, the, we, you know, we'd got a house, a mortgage. So it, it was the financial side that was a bit of a worry. But but luckily, you know, we've, we've um, redundancy money. That, that that did help kind of set, set the business up, you see. So, you know, t- take advantage of, w- of what you've got, really, you know. And, I mean, it was quite, um, quite, a, quite a, a good setup that, that we had to, you know, invest in. We didn't have to use all the, all the redundancy money. So, yeah, yeah, we managed to get the kit sorted uh, and, and then just went from there, really. But, yeah, definitely the financial side, you know, was a bit of a worry because, like you say, uh, suddenly, you, you know, you, you've got to try and get a wage every month. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not well, nobody's paying you sick pay. And if, you know, you want to go on holiday, it's like, okay. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You've got to, and I think the biggest thing for me when I set up my own business for the first time was that realization that, you know, every so often you could have quiet times where you're not getting as much work in. So there's also, for me, it was an element of planning to make sure you didn't use all the money uh, and you made sure that you set some aside for when you will have the obvious downtime, especially when you start. I don't know whether you experienced any of those quiet periods. Yeah, I mean, I mean, over all the years of being doing it, you, you do get the up and down months. You know, you get some really good months and you get slow months. Uh, but what we did from day one, we actually started to put money aside, you know, from from you know from sort of uh, work that we'd invoiced, you know. Obviously, you save a bit on the side, obviously, for, you know, to go towards a wage or, or you know, the most important thing, towards your tax tax bill as well. So Yeah, always good to set the tax money aside. <laughs> <laughs> Very important, that is. If you can keep, if you can do that over time, you know, and grow up, you know, grow pots, um, you know, for, for those reasons, then, then, you know, your cash flow will always, uh, you know, hopefully uh, be there for you every month. Brilliant. So you set the business up, you go off and running. What were you doing in the early days? Because this will help people that are in their early stages as well. What were you doing to actually go out and find clients? How were you starting to get your company known? Yeah, well, I mean, networking, massive, absolutely huge networking. I, I think over the years I, I, I've been in every networking group possible, <laughs> and uh, I mean, like nowadays, people people when they turn up to events, they go, "Oh, I know you. Where I know you from?" You know, and they know the company name, expeditions that, that we do, and stuff. So it does work. So networking, just just get out. Of them. I mean, there's so many different networking groups out there. Um, so some are good, um, some are average, and some, and some are some are some are poor. Um, but you know, if you look out for the ones that you know, I've got the sort of the sort of the backing behind them, if you like. You know, sort of the uh, what's the word? Um, integrity. You know, sort of the accountability. Sort of kind of networking groups where you know you're accountable to actually uh, you know, sort of be part of the group and, and not just for yourself, but help others as well. You see, um, you know, to a part uh, part of the sort of growing your network of people around you. So yeah, network, network, network. Yeah, it's also remembering that you know it's not what the person in the room can do with you but it's about your connections you have that can help them and their connections they have that can help you so when you're networking you're actually not promoting yourself to the people in the room you're also promoting yourself indirectly to the people that they know so um the first few years how did they go what what were the things that were going great and what were the things that were causing the odd little bit of hurdle yeah, I mean, generally the networking started to work. You, you, you know, you tend the the the, the networking, the, the meetings, you know, sort of the socials that, that some of the groups do. You get to know people more and more. Um, so that 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 starts to work really, really well. And and like you said, Tracy, that it's it's not actually the people in the room. Sometimes you know, each person knows X amount of people, uh, and you know, and that and that's when if you can start getting referrals you know, through, through that sort of channeling uh, and then get to know people and trust them. You, you can actually pick up some really good clients and also really good suppliers as well, you know, sort of in your kind of groups, that, you know, that they can work together. Yeah, so, so the networking was very positive. 
Uh, some of the, the the pitfalls, I guess, was like the early days. You know, I did did feel a bit nervous turning up to uh, random events and not, not really knowing what to do or say or sort of be, being quiet a lot of the time. And you know, you sort of walking up to a, a circle of people and you know, how, how how do you do that? How, how do you introduce yourself? But I think it just comes with experience over over the time. You know, the more you do, there's a lot of people out there actually in business who. Who do help you you know we, 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 people don't realize that there's a lot of people out there who, who will help you and, and a lot of it is free as well yeah we had um caroline andrew johnston on a couple of weeks ago and she said the same when she first went networking because she's now known as the networking rebel um right. when she first went what surprised her was how many people in the room were literally there w- willing to offer you help so it's not all about sales, guys, and don't expect, you know, to walk into a network meeting and that day you're selling stuff, you're not, you're building up relationships and that will lead to business. But yeah, Caroline said the same thing, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. So, so it all comes with experience. Yeah. So the know, first few years, were you working on your own in this business? Did you have people working with you? Were you partnering? You know, how did you deliver on the services you did sell in the early days? Yeah, so from from, from day one, really, we, we we created like an agency feel, if you like. So what that means, it's uh, you know, we 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 do everything that a big agency offers, all the different services, you know, a creative agency offers, but we do it at um, a, a low head, low overhead cost. So so basically, what that means, we work with a team of associate partners as well. Who come in and help us, uh, and a lot of these associate partners, you know, we've we've met for networking as well. So they they really add value, you know, to 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 a project. Um, started off with a couple of directors in the business. Um, we got a unit uh, studio space, uh, and were there for gosh, good good nine years. Um, and over the time, obviously, the business is, has been up and down. You know, we've, we've actually employed people at, at one stage, you know, for, to to help us with big projects and stuff. Uh, then we sort of downsized when contracts have ended uh, and then gone up again, upsize. So it, it, business is up and down, um, and especially what, you know, in the creative industry, there's a lot of, lot of people doing it, you know, so you always have to be sort of one step ahead if you can you know, and sort of think of new ideas, really. So, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, fantastic, really. You know, I, I don't regret at all, you know, setting up the business. So if you could go back to 2009 and start again, is there anything you'd do differently? Um, good question, that one. I don't think I would, really. I think in the early days, it's normal that, you know, when you're setting up, you, you are a bit naive to stuff. And, and you, you do stuff that you think is going to work, but, but doesn't quite work straight away. But then, like I say, through you... you you know, the more people you meet and there's a lot of people that out there that can help you. So, yeah, that, that guidance is really important, you know, a, a, along along the way as well. You know, so when you when you try stuff, you think it's right or you've been a bit naive at times, you know, there's people there to sort of, people have actually you know, helped me and said, you know, do it a different way or what you're doing that for or, you know, and, and over time you get a good feeling for a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think when you're working for yourself, it's always good to remember you do not have to be alone you might be on your own in the business but that doesn't mean you have to do everything on your own and be on your own you know many businesses go out and get people that are going to help them plan how to grow for instance mm-hmm. so um one of the things that you and your company 
um, are you know really great at because it's from your background is branding. So for the listeners that are either thinking of starting a business or they've already got one, they're growing. How where does branding help them? Why is branding a key part of a business? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my passion for branding, I absolutely love it. And, and that half of those thirty-five plus years now, you know, doing this in the creative sector is, is brand experience. So, so regarding branding for, for any business, really, a startup or you know, or a business that's growing, or even a, a established business. To me, branding is, is is the key. It's the beginning of a lot of lot of things. Um, I mean, if you can get your brand strategy in place to start with, you know the the other things follow from that. You know, you, your your identity uh, progresses with an identity from your brand strategy. You, you get an identity developed from that, uh, and then that connects with any sort of uh, great marketing that you do. You see, um, so so my advice. I mean, I've got some I've got some tips here. Uh, for, for for any business really um, brilliant and especially startups i guess you know because you, you're taking that that plunge into an unknown world trying to try and do your own thing so i've got some sort of six six tips here uh, to a successful brand um and this will save you money <coughs> any business especially startups what you find with startups sometimes budget isn't always there you know which is normal so yeah, yeah, they might sort of rush online and order some some business cards that aren't the quality they expect them to be, you know, print wise or, or stock wise. You know, they might rush out and try and get a website done uh, and spend money on that. But at the end of the day, what branding is, and it's all about you as a person, the personality that reflects your business. So the tips I've got here, the first one is create your brand from 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 your heart. So, like I say, great brands are all about your personality and emotion. So every successful brand actually comes from 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 the heart, you know, the person who, who's who's setting up the business. Um, this is the emotional connection that potential customers or clients, suppliers, you know, this is what they they feel from you uh, as a business. So create it from the heart. That's the first sort of uh, tip. Uh, this the second tip would be describe how how your brand the look and feel of it. You know, this is where we start looking at your identity uh, logo, for example. Uh, what your identity really needs to be clear. It needs to reflect, you know, your brand personality. It needs to be easy to to to, to, to look at visually and, and communicate easily for people. Um, and this is where it kind of your identity starts to live and breathe. You know, your personality. So the visual identity is part of a whole brand. Uh, the third tip is really, really important to connect with your customers. So obviously, once you start the business uh, and you start getting customers on board, um, that the, the customers that you connect with and do a great job job for, you know, they really need to understand you know, what your business stands for. Um, and if you can get that right um, and try and make every touch point you know, a great, great experience for them, then they'll keep coming back. So, you know, connect with your customers through your brand. Uh, number four, tell your brand story. Again, this is great if you've got a really good backstory, um, you know, about how you, you know, why you set the business up. People people love that kind of stuff. Um, words are, are definitely a key, you know, words in a brand story. Um, and this could be, you know, your business name, for example. You know, why did you go for that business name? Um, why did you choose that uh, strap line? 
uh, and put all you all the good stuff you know free brand story put all that really good stuff you know into sort of customer testimonials and uh, case studies get those out there you know so everybody uh, knows about you know you and you and your brand story and your business uh, and all the good stuff you're doing as well obviously for for your, for your customers uh, number five keep brand on your plan so you know you've got your nice brand all set up whether it's the visual identity logo size you know your, your visions your values uh, the emotional connection that's all, all up and ready up and ready so your brand strategy if you like um but never forget it always keep reviewing it because if you're going to launch a new service or product um, and you, you know you start competing with totally different sort of markets you always need to be up to date you know with everything that you're doing because the last thing you want to do is you know start confusing people really um, and then finally own your brand this is all about the responsibility of an owner business owner to actually own their brand nurture it and protect it it's really important to recognize you know how important sort of owning your brand is you know for your business uh, because anything can happen along the way i mean you know we've heard some horror stories of some of the blue chip companies you know who like when brand damage happens you know it, it can be quite um, devastating for them um, I, I mean I've, i won't mention any any names but you know there are, there are a few top brands up in there that have, you know made a right sort of hash of things sort of uh, in the news. And yeah, now you've been a small sport, we're all thinking, who are those brands? But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so six tips there. So create it from the heart. Describe how it looks and feels. Connect with your customers. Tell your brand story. Keep brands on your plan. And then finally own your brand. That's brilliant, Andrew. That's fab. So everybody's got a little crib sheet to actually understand how to get started when it comes to your identity now i know we were speaking because we ended up getting together because we met on a uh, a networking meeting and it's like yeah i'm thinking of rebranding one of my companies and that's how we ended up getting to this stage but it it, it it did not throw me but it puzzled me a little bit when you say well why have you come up with that name and there was a story behind it but i hadn't thought of it because to me, it was subconscious. I'd just picked a name, but there was actually a story behind it. So um, you talked about the brand, the brand strategy. How does that differ from, say, your marketing strategy? What, what's in a brand strategy that wouldn't be in your marketing strategy? Yeah, well, I mean, a brand strategy um, starts off asking some some questions like, you know, sort of your you, you, you why, you know, why are you doing your business? Um, so brand strategy covers all those different areas you see um, brand brand is everything you do within a business so if you can get that right and you know you've got that sort of create that sort of emotional connection you know, that personality you know going through a brand strategy um, once you've got that in place it then connects with a marketing plan so so the brand strategy is actually getting getting things in place for your business because at the end of the day it's, it's all perception brand is a, is, is a perception you know, of what people think you know of, of your business and your services and offer so if they're on board with all that uh, you, that, that is your brand strategy set up and then from that you can then write your marketing plan you know you've got, you've got the material there to actually the marketing plan you know, includes sort of your key messages and 
PR, everything really, you know, and, and, and a roadmap. So that initial, getting all that initial stuff set up in a brand strategy goes towards you know, sort of executing your marketing plan, you see. And we, we know there's big businesses out there that get this right. Because if you look at the brand bit around the identity and the story, mm-hmm. um, you know, a golden M, everybody knows exactly which company it is. Uh, yeah. A white tick, everybody knows what company it is. So, you know, initially in the early days, I often wondered what does it matter? But actually that does grow with you. And it's like, you know, at birth you get given a name. So... Give your yeah. business an identity. And there is yeah. one, there's an advert on at the moment that actually links to what you were saying about keeping it fresh, update it. So um, a small company that does fried chicken, uh, mm-hmm. the most famous one in the world, KFC, of course, I've noticed they've got an advert out where they're openly highlighting other companies that have come up. Because, you know, I mean, round here where I live, we've got MFC, you know, there's all sorts of different something FC companies and they're all copies effectively of Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. And this new advert is actually openly, openly saying, yes, there is an MFC, there's a BFC, there's a Texan Fried Chicken. And what it focuses on is, but there is only one kernel. And I thought that was great because it was a company going to market saying, yes, there are copies of us, but it will never be as good as the original, which I'm guessing fits into that bit you talked about of keeping everything up to date. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, brand strategy, just coming back to that as well. That That's brilliant. What you just said there, That that's a really good example. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, the brand strategy, there's four questions, really. You know, why, why do you exist? You know, who you are how you do things and how you look and feel and what you do um i mean mcdonald's you know love, love or hate them i mean their their brand strategy you know he's he, bang on oh uh, yeah you know i mean I've, I've got i've got something here i can just read out if you like yeah I do i'm gonna say while you find that andrew mcdonald's and I'm, I'm not they're not necessarily the best burger in the world but no, boy, no. are they the burger company you think of when you see that golden M. Yeah. So here I've actually got um, uh, some part of the McDonald's brand strategy that I've got here. Ooh. My sort of branding uh, folder. So so basically, um, the, the McDonald's why is to make delicious, feel-good moments easy for everyone. That's their why. Their who, responsible leadership, inclusiveness, progressiveness, local integration. Their how, light-hearted, playful, welcoming, dependable, unpretentious. And their what, the world's largest informal eating out chain. There you go. That's interesting, isn't it? They don't even use the word burger. No, so that's their why, who, wow. how, and, and this, this, is, this forms your brand strategy, you see. So once you've got all this in place... Um, you can then, you know, sort of build your marketing plan from it. Yeah. And we've talked in the past on on previous episodes about, you know, looking at your purpose, your mission, your values. This is great because, you know, you've got four statements there that if you sit down, if you're thinking of creating a business or you've already got one, but you haven't done this, then I definitely encourage you sit down and go through those four questions, which were why? who, how, and what. Yeah. 
And the interesting thing is one of the things that we speak about when it comes to sales and, you know, negotiation is using what we call the five W's and a H, which is, again, that's four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the extras when it sells and marketing is one of them's were, but yeah, um, that's cool. I love those four questions. <laughs> that That is something to sit down with on a quiet Sunday morning with a nice cup of coffee or tea um, and literally open up a journal. And even if you're already running a business, just see if you can answer those questions for your business. And if you can't, then maybe you've still got some work to do on your brand strategy. That's fantastic, Andrew. Um, So one question that I wanted to ask you, because a lot of businesses will go off and the first thing they think about is got to design a website, which if you don't, in my view, if you haven't got that identity worked out, then that website could be a complete muddled pot of things, you know, different fonts, different colours. So... Do businesses always need to begin in the early days with a website? Um, it all depends on budget, really. So, obviously, things cost money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I. it all depends on what budget you've got. But my advice would be is to really think about your brand first, you know, from all the things we've been talking about. And like you say, that why, who, how and what, that is a starting point. Before you order a new website or go and get your business cards done, or, you know, a, a logo design, for example, an identity created. Just go through those questions and, and try and form some kind of sort of brand strategy, you know, in, in your mind. And then, you, you know, go to a professional to, to help you out with that, to, to create the stuff that you need that truly represents, you know, you, your brand personality. Or if you've got, you know, the notes from that, then that, that will help, you know, if you go to a web designer, you can show them that and say, look, you know, this is the small strategy, brand strategy I'll put in place. Um, and, and so it, it, it all depends, really. But my advice would be that from experience over all these years of working with startups and, and businesses who, who are growing is that don't rush into, you know, getting a website done straight away. Don't rush in, you know, to get your logo designed or, or, or any printing of, of anything. Just, you know, take a step back. Talk, talk, talk to a designer or brand brand agency or, or you know a graphic designer to start with um, to see if they can you know sort of get 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 it get it in order for you and help you rather because in the long run you can you know start can spend a lot of money yeah stuff um, and then suddenly they, they you know they've got this website or this identity that to be honest you know that you might look homemade you know, the, the colours might not represent, you know, the, the, the personality of the business, you know, what they're doing. Um, the, the identity, you know, the logo design might not represent exactly what they're doing. Um, so to just take a step back, really. And if there is budget, you know, just get the professionals to help you out. Yeah. Rather and than, you know, sort of wasting money. Because um, you, you you might have to do it all again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that can be expensive if you're recreating everything. And one thing is with um, the world as it is today, you know, yes, if, if you're, there are some businesses that having a website is going to help you sell your product, but there are other ways as well initially if you're getting started. So for instance, going to networks, if you're business to business, get off and do some networking because I meet people at networks that haven't yet got their website, but they're still getting business through that networking. You've also got things like LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, Facebook business pages, LinkedIn business pages, 
where, you know, Facebook, for instance, now give you the ability to sell your products through a Facebook page. There are lots of small, what I call sole trader businesses, where they still don't have a website. They are doing it using a Facebook or a LinkedIn page. So whilst the website is ultimately good for a business, it's not necessarily the first thing to start with. That doesn't mean you don't need one, but there are other things that you could use until you get to a stage where you've got that identity and you're starting to work on a marketing strategy. So absolutely. that's just my three pennies worth. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree there, Trace. Absolutely. There's so much stuff out there, you know, that can help you. And a lot of it doesn't cost cost much money or a lot of it is free as well. Yeah. So, so you know, you could start with your business and have your name um, without any identity as such. Uh, and then, you know, as doing it through those kind of channels, you know, build up, your income uh, and then you know th- and then when you feel it's time you know to get a, you get, get a brand built you know that that's when you've got the you know sort of the budget to, to do it exactly and if you're selling product to the consumer you've got things like Etsy and spotify where again you don't need your own website straight away you utilize and piggyback off the back of their systems so lots of ways for you to get started without actually you know um spending tons of money that you haven't yet got to create websites and all that jazz um mm-hmm. but i will reiterate at some point you will likely need a website unless you're an e-commerce that's selling through shopify or etsy or other similar mediums so to speak yeah, I mean, regarding the website, it is important that you have one because it is, it is the window, you know, yeah. the gateway to, to, to what you do. Um, and then once you've got your website set up, obviously, you know, you can then drive traffic to it, through it, you know, all different ways, through your social media posts, uh, testimonials, case studies, you know, the great stuff that you're doing. You know, get all that on your website, you know, through, through social media posts, get the links going, get the traffic moving between each digital platform as well. So, yeah, yeah, there is a lot to do once you get your site set up. And I'm guessing that's where you and what Hope Creative does, and we're going to come on to getting a more detail about this in a minute, but I'm guessing, you know, working with people like Andrew and Hope Creative, if you're working with somebody around branding, they can work with you on, you know, at what stage is it important to get your website? And it'll be based around what you're doing, not just a generic, oh, you need this, this, this and this. Well, for your business, that might be different. So um, I'm presuming when you work with people, you'll sit down and go through the four four questions. You'll yeah. work out, start moving towards their brand identity and presumably out of that will come what do they need when is is that correct absolutely yeah yeah i mean it's a step-by-step approach really uh, we, we we call it engage step one's engage step two is inspire step three is excite so engaging is sitting down with you um find out everything that's great about your business or what you want to do like say ask you know for the brand strategy answering those questions uh, share the views um uh, and just ask you, you know, where, where, where you want to be in business. You know, you, 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 the customer does the talking and we, we listen to you. So, so that's kind of an engagement side of it. Um, and then inspire. You know, we start to shape your brand story, if you like, and we can do that through sort of our brand workshops that we do. Um, you know, sort of what are you going, what's your offer? Again, coming through those questions, you know, that, that we mentioned earlier. Um, how are you different? Um, and yeah, you know, what's your DNA? You know that. Yeah, you know, what what makes you tick? This is where the sort of personality kicks in as well. 
Uh, and then step three is kind of the excite side of stuff, you know, where we can start moving things forward, you know, together as a team. Um, so from your visual identity, talked about that, to your website, social media, um, and, and uh, you know, looking at you, so how you're going to get customer feedback as well, you know, once, once you start doing some great stuff. Brilliant. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to be going on one of these brand workshops. So, um, and, and for those of you that think workshops a big training room, it's not. I'm actually sitting down with Hope Creative in a workshop that is just for me. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be going through that. So I might let you know in future weeks how that went, guys, because I am doing a rebrand on one of my businesses. So, Andrew, how do people reach out to your company? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so the, the, the website is uh, www.hopecreative.co.uk. Uh, on there, it's got um, some of our, obviously, the services uh, and about us, history, a little bit about us. And also, um, there's a lot, a lot of work samples on there as well, case studies, you know, for people to have a look at to, to see, you know, what we've been, what we're doing, what we're not to. Um, so that's the website. Um, uh, the main number is 01785. Four seven two five five two, and then obviously if, if there's no pickup on the on the main uh, um, phone number, the, the, my mobile number, it will go through to my mo- mobile number, um, yeah. which is zero seven five three one five eight nine two two one. Cool, perfect. So, and on your website, is there a space for them to click and do a contact you on there? Yes, on the, the contact page. Brilliant. There's a, there's a form to fill in there. Um, and there's a pictures pictures of, of some of the team on there as well. So, uh, oh, little mugshot yeah. gallery. Love it. Uh, familiar faces. Yeah, we, we will get all of those details in the show notes for you. So, Andrew, before we finish, as I always do, I want to do a little bit of a quick fire round, which helps people get to know you a little better. So, here we go in business. Collaboration or competition? Oh, definitely collaboration. And why is that? (laughs) Um, I think if you can, like we touched on earlier, through the networking, you know, if you over the years, if you can, if you can build up, you know, a network of people that you, you know, you really trust and can add value to what you do, um, and also what they can do as well. You know, that sort of sharing and working together. uh, You know, it, it, it just works so well. Cool. So. Sports, walking or running? Oh, depends how I feel, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like both. Um, I think probably walking more because you, you don't get you don't get out of breath as much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. But I do know that you run five k's and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So um, going out and about, holidays, things like that, sightseeing or sunbeds? Oh, definitely sightseeing. Uh, as a family, we love to, you know, go go and visit a, a city or a town, or and especially sort of the National Trust uh, side of stuff. Yeah, brilliant. So, um, if you could do one thing right now in the world to change it, what would that one thing that Andrew Hope would do? Oh, uh, gosh, it's a, it's a good question. That one, isn't it? So much going on at the moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As we're recording this, guys, we just got the news that yesterday here in the UK, the Bank of England raised the, ba- raised the base rate by half a percent in one go. Um, so, yeah, there's lots going on in the world right now. I think for me, uh, working with you know people who do what you do as well, 
don't don't see them as immediate competitors um, because you can share stuff. Yeah. If something's too big for you and, you, you know, you've got a good relationship with an associate partner, for example, a business, work with them. You know, and I think, you know, if you can do that, if people can start doing more of that, uh, I think, you know, the wealth will be spread around a little bit more as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's a little bit back to the first, the first quick fire question, isn't it? You know, one thing you do to change the world is more collaboration, I'm guessing, and less competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame we can't get, do that. I won't get into all the other stuff that I'd like no, to No, but it, it's a shame that <laughs> philosophy can't exist across different countries as well. I know it does. There are many countries collaborating, but the world is in a state at the minute where there's a little bit of competition as well. And as I always do, I'm going to end the show with my usual question, which is sweat, grit or hustle? Which one resonates with you m- the most and why? Uh, I think grit. I think, you know, from, from day one setting this up, Hope Creative, you know, it's been it's been up and down, you know, you know a bit about that. And but at the end of the day, if you if you if you're you, you do need that, you know, that you need to be have that grit behind you as well, you know, to to to, to, to get over all the hurdles that are thrown thrown in in, in your path, you know, running the business. Um, so but try not to worry too much, you know, because things usually work out. And, uh, and as I say, you know, if you've got great support around you from other people, you know, they're, they're, they're there to help help you as well. So definitely grit. You know, it's uh, brilliant. It has been a pleasure having you in conversation with us today, Andrew. And thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Tracy. And uh, thanks for having me on the on the show. And uh, good luck to everybody out there who's uh, in business or thinking, you know, to start up a business. Brilliant. Thanks, you're welcome. And next week, we're back to our content piece where I'm going to share with you a wonderful little framework for helping you prioritize your business. Are you really working on what's important or are you just pretending or kidding yourself? We'll see you next week. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrit.com hustle.com